Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Welcome to 2023. Haven't seen you since last year, Marjorie Punnett. I know. Unbelievable. <laughs> These years are flying by. We're in year. I should have figured this out before the podcast, but Elizabeth, we're in mm-hmm. either year four or five of this podcast. Well, I think we started um, at the beginning of 2019 or late 2018. So it has That's been crazy. quite some time. We've overshared for, you know, <laughs> almost five years and we're happy that you all have been along for the ride. And we're excited for another year of Best to the Nest. I think we both have some guests that we're really excited about bringing on the podcast in the coming weeks and months. I have to tell you, I feel like I'm sort of coming out of a haze. I was thinking the other day about the season of life that I've been in for the last eight years, really, since I had... Yeah. Since I had my first child, you know, Bernie turned eight on January 2nd, Marjorie, you know this, eight years old. And The idea for this podcast was born when Marjorie and I did our radio show together back on my my talk 1071, which is a wonderful radio station. And we were on the radio together for almost two years with our show. We were on the radio together for years prior to that as well. Right. But Um, together. But together. But if you're just tuning in for the first time, you might not know the origin story of the podcast, which was that this podcast is really the show within the show. These are the conversations that you and I would have during the breaks, like during the commercial (laughs) breaks when we were on the air. And then we'd be like, please hold. We'll finish that in the next commercial break. And And me always panically going, are our mics on? Make sure your mic's off. Is your mic off? You push the button a thousand times. I was always so afraid whatever we were talking about (laughs) off air, we were actually saying it on air. And now now we are saying it on air. On air. Now that's what we do. Yeah. But the whole concept came when I was engaged to my husband, Jay, and, um, and you gave me that piece of advice, which you always start giving advice by saying, you know, I don't like to give advice, (laughs) but then you give advice. And the advice was that this was something that you and Ian always lived by, that everybody else outside of the home didn't get the best version of you, that you weren't going to be nice and pleasant and easy to get along with, blah, 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 out in the world, and then come home and everybody at home gets the crap. It needs to be the opposite, that home gets the best of you and then everybody else gets the overflow. And I said right. at the time, oh, it's like best to the nest. It, or some, I said something you like You said that. it at the time. You did. You time. said it right away. Yeah. And that concept stuck with me over the months, you know, even just that idea. And I felt like that was really important because I grew up with a dad who had a very public job. My dad was a Lutheran minister. That's like a microcosm of, of a job that I have, basically, except it's more complicated because it's God. <laughs> I don't have to live up to that. But I remember that being a challenge. You know, like my dad had a lot of frustrations with his job as a minister. And there was sort of that like forward facing, you know, hey, 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 and then home mad about stuff. And I didn't want 
my home to be like that. And I was conscious about making sure that I am not like that. I'm probably the opposite to an extreme where Jay might argue like, hey, guess what? People do still get to have bad moods and like feel the feelings at home where I'm like, right. we must be pleasant at the house, you know. But I do think there's a, I do think it's important. And I think, I, I think part of the the feedback we get on this podcast is it resonates with people that idea that we have to restrain ourselves from making our homes our dumping ground. Yes. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, I want to come home and I want to talk through what happened at work with my family. That's one thing. But if you're going to talk through work or problems at work or problems in life with your partner, that's one thing. Coming home and making everybody in your house have a bad day because you had a bad day, that's another thing. That's the boundary. Yeah. yeah, that's the boundary. That's 100 percent so. the boundary. And it really is. I mean, it's what I think it's evolved into um, that I love so much is that it is a more holistic view of self-care. You know, I'm not into this like self-care idea of like, oh, moms, you know, you're working 40 hours a week and managing 90 percent of the workload at home and raising three kids. And you probably maybe to be happier, you should just self-care, like do a face mask at night and like sit it's in the bathtub <laughs> and like go get a pedicure on occasion. Like FML, yeah. dude, like I am not that is not what's working for me. And so it is more of that holistic view of creating. One thing I've latched onto a lot is creating a home that you don't need a vacation from. Right. I, I love taking vacations, but I don't want to live for the vacation. I want to have my home have elements of vacation, like empty drawers and wellness <laughs> rituals. <laughs> well, I think that's really I think that's really important though, is that idea of not escaping from your life. Yes. And and that goes back to again, if you're bringing all that tension home, if you're bringing all of that home, you think somehow that if you take your family off somewhere, that that's going to disappear. But it won't. It'll follow you. If you haven't set up the patterns of family care as opposed to self-care, it's just going to follow you. And actually, you hit on something, too, that sort of bugs me, is this idea of, and it, it, I, this is going to be tricky for me to say, of you have to take care of yourself first before you take care of your family. Mm -hmm. I think that sounds really great mm -hmm. in theory. Yeah. But life doesn't really play out that way. And so I think there's a frustration. I think like even when I was in the thick of raising kids, that idea of I'm going to take care of my first myself first. How? I know. Like how? Yeah, you tell like, me. Am I going right? to go? You know, I think you do. I think you do a really balanced job of that. Like when you talk about taking a girl's weekend or you talk about I think that falls into that category of taking care of yourself first. And I think it's necessary, but I think as a platitude, it can be a very frustrating thing for women to hear. You know, because one, it's not as easy to do yeah. as people make it seem like, oh, just take care of yourself first. Well, no, like to me, that would mean then, okay, taking care of myself first would mean like, what would my ideal morning be, right? Mine would be waking up when I would like to wake up right? and then getting hydrated and then maybe getting a, some breakfast and then getting a workout in and then having a cup of coffee. That's like impossible. That's, um, that's, a that's impossible. But I will say one boundary that I have drawn recently with my children that I'm kind of proud of myself for is that I, I feed them breakfast, right? Right. And occasionally they will be like, I'm still hungry or I need this. And I say, you know what? Mama's going to eat now. I'm going to eat now. And then I will help you with the second thing. If you if you're still hungry and you need more food, then I will get you something else or you can get this for yourself in the meantime. But mama needs to prioritize eating. I need to feed myself now. And that has been because I was getting where like I was doing everything for everyone. And then I'm like, I love that. Then I'm like, ah, 
And then I'm raging because I'm freaking starving. You're hangry. I'm hangry. And then I'm, (laughs) and then they need to learn too that like it is important, like, oh, mama just fed everyone here. And now we need to respect that she needs to eat. And I want my children to see that. You know, I certainly want my daughter to see that. I want my sons, I probably want my sons to see it even more. You know, it's well, I, I think I told you the story a long time ago of so I did my study abroad in college in Spain. And I lived with a, a Spanish family. And so we would eat late at night. You know, mm-hmm. we would eat like at nine. <laughs> and the mother, so there was an older daughter who was like 23. I'm 18, a younger daughter who's 16. And then there's a son who's my age. That's the family. So we yeah. would sit down to dinner and the mother would sit behind the son. No. And this is the 1980s. And then whatever he needed, she would get up and take care of him. Oh, I'm dead. No. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So it was just a in very... Spain? I mean, really? Well, in the 1980s, remember... Well, I won't say remember because who knows Span- that many people know Spanish history. But in the 1980s, really, they were just coming out of the Franco era an authoritarian government. It was very traditional still. I mean, the one thing that the daughter, the the 16-year-old daughter would say to me because of the way I dressed, she would always look at me and she'd go, que moderna, que moderna, how modern. Like, you're so modern. Oh. Is that crazy? Okay, that really is. I don't think but, you ever but, told that story. That's fascinating. But what you're talking about has shades of the same thought. Right. Is that... I am here to serve you before I serve myself. Right. And what you're saying is you found a better boundary of, of course, I'm going to feed my children, but then I get to feed myself. And then I'm and then I prior- can do the extra. And then I can do the extra. And then I'm going to yeah. prioritize myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just a little bit, it's a little bit of a balance. But it makes me think then back to eight years ago. Okay. So we had that moment in the break of the radio show and that idea like percolated with me for so long. Then we weren't even living in the same city. Mm-mm. And I remember I was taking Bernie on a walk and Bernie was probably like, I don't know, she was like three months old maybe. And I um, called you and I hadn't talked to you in a while. And so we just, we had like a long conversation when I was out on a walk. And I said, what do you think about this? Like, I feel like this could be a podcast. And I think that we should do it at some point. And I don't think then we didn't end up doing it for like two more years. It was then the idea sat around again because we didn't even know like how to do it. We that. were on it. We were and on then it. At the beginning of the podcast, we were in the oldest studio in my talk 1071, yeah. like the oldest studio in the Hubbard Broadcasting building. And we would, I would need no fewer than two engineers to help me set up a conversation with you every single time we were recording a podcast. And there was always some sort of hiss or buzz. Right. It was very complicated. And remember, too, on. I was living in Arizona at the time. Yeah. And it was two hours earlier. So we would do it at like nine o'clock in the morning, which was seven o'clock in the morning for me. Yeah. And so I would get up and I would go to, uh, Hubbard Broadcasting property in Arizona. In Arizona. And, and I would go into a, a quite a lovely studio. I have to say it was a yeah, brand new building. Ones. So it's yeah. a beautiful studio. But it was just, we were just, it's funny when I look back because I would do the podcast and then I would have to get to my morning meeting. I know. And I think about like, we we went through some hoops I know. to get this done. And I did too. People, it is, we both did. Yes. And it's never been about, well, we don't make any money. So it's never been about the money. We're open to it, but we don't. We are open to it. So yeah. if you if you hear us talking about products, trust us. It's products we believe in, but um, always for the, for only the, 
Yeah. But I mean, it's just, we've just never thought about the money. But back to the idea of oversharing, it is funny to me to think now that when we would talk in the breaks, I was always saying, "Your the mics are not right, Elizabeth, the mics always. are not. And now here we are, oversharing, oversharing, oversharing. And I, I have so much to overshare with you today. Oh, wow. Ask me how... Ask me how my holiday break was. How was your holiday break? Look at this. 12 minutes in, we finally get to the point of this podcast. I didn't know we were going to give a little history lesson. I just kind of went with it because it felt good in the moment. Okay. So ask me again. Okay. (laughs) I'll ask you again. Jeez. How was your holiday break, Marjorie? I got shingles. Oh, I've had that before. No. So, yeah. I mean, it was such a, I mean, it has been a very relaxing time, but there's a reason I want to tell everybody about this. And I'll preface it by saying I am not a doctor. I am not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. And the story will prove it. Um, so my mom's memorial was in Chicago, um, I think December 17th or 18th. And so right after classes ended, get all my grading in, you know, get all that done. We head up to Chicago for the memorial. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get back to that in a minute. But the day before we leave, I have these like I won't get too graphic, but I have these bumps on my back. Yeah, yep, and yep, yep. because we live in Kansas, and Kansas is a big place for brown recluse, and we do have brown recluse. Like I have found them in the garage. I have a. I am convinced I have been bitten by a brown recluse. <laughs> Just absolutely convinced. And there's like four, like four, like spots. And so I go up to, to Chicago and the beauty of having a sister is you can always whip off your clothes and say, look at this, what's happening? <laughs> so I like lift up my shirt and she, she's like, oh, it doesn't really look like a spider bite. She mm-hmm. said, this doesn't, this doesn't present that way. And she's an anesthesiologist. She's not a general practitioner. So like, yeah, but I still, would, she went to med school. I mean, but, but as she would say, she went to med school. This isn't what she does. So she's like, okay. it's something, it's something. She said, you know, watch it. If it's if it doesn't resolve itself and like by the time you get back home, you need to go to the doctor like that's she's a very responsible physician. She sends us to other doctors like she's always like, go to the doctor. So I get back and it's still uncomfortable, but it's just a little ring. You know, it's a little ring. And I walk into the doctor's office. I love my doctor hair. And he's like, you have shingles. I'm like, what? Shoot. And and he's like, but I got to tell you, how long has this been going on? And I think eh, like from December 14th. And he's like you are so lucky. Yeah, because it can really explode terribly. Yeah, he's like, is this it? I'm like, yeah. He's like, he said it like three times. You are so lucky. So then, of course, I have to go home and do the Google deep dive. Why am I lucky? Why did did it happen this way? Why Mm -hmm. is my immune system fighting it so efficiently? Because for people who have had shingles, normally the reaction is like, oh my God, it's so painful. It's so annoying. I had it when I was 20, like I was 25. Was it terrible? Well, I caught it super early, thanks okay. to a coworker who recognized what it was right away. And then I went to urgent care. Seriously? Oh, Where yeah. Was it on, where's it on your... It was on my neck. It was like oh. right on my neck. Oh. And it was a red rash. And it looked like... um, It felt like fire ants were biting me. Like, I've never been bitten by a fire ant. But it, it felt like what I would imagine a fire ant. Yeah. yeah just you're, like... You're, um, you know, you just, it, it, for anybody that's have it, your nerves are just reacting. They're just going the, crazy. Yeah. They're going crazy. So I didn't catch it early because if you think about it, the bite, I, the bite I thought happened on the 14th. I didn't go to the doctor till the 20, like the 23rd. That's crazy. That is yeah. amazing. 
Yeah. Because well, I think it he's... stays on one half of your body, right? Yeah, like one on... side of your body. And so the idea is that if you found it on like your back, what was what side was it? Your back left or My right? left. Your left, left. That then it would like move, but it would stay on the left side of your body, but it would expand. It would expand. So no expansion, little small. And that little bit was super annoying. I mean, Ugh. it was... It, and he just kept saying, you're so lucky, you're so lucky. So I'm like, okay, why am I lucky? Why is this different? What have I been doing differently? Okay, not a doctor, not a doctor, not a doctor. I'm convinced it's the Banuka honey. Manuka honey is a real deal. So I go and I look up shingles, Manuka honey. Super antiviral. And- yes. So not a doctor, but I feel like that's why I was lucky. Because remember I had said, and I'd been doing it for like a month of two yes. of Manuka honey, lemon, and chia seeds and water every morning. Oh, <gasps> Marjorie, your immune system is in like amazing shape. This I is really so. great. I know. I think so. I was very happy about that. But what was interesting is sometimes shingles can be caused by stress. And I was like, wow, I wonder if like processing my mom's death and having to go do to the memorial service, like if that triggered it or or what what was stress going is on like the me. biggest thing because it's yeah. the virus that lives in the base of your spine from when you had chicken pox. It stays yeah. in there forever. I hate that idea. And then well, I'm I know, fighting it. Yeah, but we have viruses all over us. You know, they're all inside. We've like I I we've just been taught to like be so afraid. I'm convinced that like the virus is going to be the next thing that remember when we were so terrified of bacteria? It was yeah. like everything had to be antibacterial. Bacteria is the worst. We need to just clean everything. We need to lysol the hell out of every single thing. And then it was like, oh wait a second. Oopsie. Wow. We fed every Oopsie. animal we eat crap tons of antibiotics and we lysol everything and now we wonder why our microbiomes are like a complete disaster and everyone has all these gut health problems and now it's like we're obsessed with good bacteria right so like i I am convinced i'm not an md either but i think viruses are going to be the next level of that like i don't believe that all viruses can be bad i think it's got to be a balance just like it is with bacteria this is my own personal humble opinion as a wellness enthusiast that's it. That's Do you have it on your Instagram des- description? I kind of wellness, want to because that's what I enthusiast. am. I love that. But yeah. that's just my own personal testimonial, not a doctor. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you know we have lots of theories and we stand by them for our very own selves, but not for anybody else. Yeah. So I stand by this for my very own self. But I'll just say Manuka honey tastes great. It's kind of expensive, but it tastes great. And you know, if you're going to buy it, research it because you might as well, if you're going to eat it, you might as well buy the best. And so- that's that's my one thing about that. But so it's been a very, very mild case. Um, and so I'm very grateful because it could. And, you know, the drugs he gave me, I I took um, it's a, like an antiviral drug. He gave me that. And so I took that. But then he gave me like these mega like pain relieving like drugs that help your nerves cope with what's happening. I didn't have to take any of those. Oh, wow. I didn't take any of those. I took the antiviral drug because I thought I'm not going to be stupid. I don't want it to spread. Yeah. So I took that, but he gave me two other things that sh- were going to help me through the discomfort of shingles. Never took any of them. Amazing. I know. I know. I'm so, I feel lucky, like he said. And that's really what got me to do the research. Because when your doctor's looking at you going, like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. You've had this for 10 days. This doesn't yeah. make sense. Well, I'm so, glad you're doing well. And then now here great. we do. We're entering 2023 in a new year and another year of celebrating best to the nest. I'm excited for it, Marjorie. And then I had a great revelation. What? I don't mean to dominate 2023, but it was a very big break for me, Elizabeth. (laughs) I know where I want to be buried. Oh, how exciting. 
How exciting. Where? Best reaction. That is the best reaction anybody's given me about knowing where I want my ashes to go. <laughs> this I'm just telling you people because best of the nest is all about preparation, all kinds of preparation. So my mom had written out her whole memorial service. She had picked the music. She had picked, uh, she wanted a bagpiper. She knew the choir she wanted. She belonged to an Episcopal church in Chicago. And you know how so many Episcopal churches are like English cottages? Yeah. So it's a beautiful little stone church, two blocks from her house in Chicago. Um, she always loved the choir. So we hired the choir. We hired the bagpiper that she wanted. She picked had picked all the readings. Mm-hmm. And she had picked... She so everything was sort of laid out. Ian did this, you know, he's ordained, so he did the service with the with the priest that is there. Ian did the eulogy slash sermon. Oh. So it was it was wonderful. Yeah. But the best part, Elizabeth, this makes me so happy when I think about my mom. She had bought a little spot in the uh, columbarium. So I I was calling it a crypt, not the right word. It's a oh, columbarium. I, I didn't know that that was not. I didn't know what word that was. You know, and so there's like in this church, you go down these little sweet steps and you go underneath the church. And then there's a place where people put their ashes into eternity. And so, or unless the church somehow goes away, but I'll be dead by the time that happens. Yeah. She's already passed away. So it doesn't. But so part of the service is my sisters and I walked her ashes downstairs and then they open up this little cubby for her and we stuck her ashes in the cubby and that's where she'll be forever. Oh my gosh. And it was warm and it was cozy and she was surrounded by other ashes. So yeah, nice people. I and hope. you're not like rotting in the ground. That, I got to tell I mean, I, the... I, that really creeps me out. It totally it, creeps me out. As a living person. I don't want to be like that as and a dead person. I don't want to be somewhere cold. I hate being cold. Yeah. And so the idea of I just never really thought about it. Like my grandparents are were cremated and they're in a little box in a building that's in a cemetery. Mm-hmm. So it's like a big mausoleum. There was something about her being in this church where life is happening every day. Yeah. And God is there. I think God's everywhere, but everywhere, God but is yeah. being talked about there mm-hmm. every day. And she's two blocks from her house. She's three blocks from the lake, which is what she loved more than anything. She loved the beach. She loved the lake. And I just thought, I got I I have got to find a church with a little columbarium. And then so I'll you know how where you want to be buried theoretically. You don't have the specific space yet. No, but I know I gotta find a church now. Okay. Well, there you go. And I, I gotta buy, but she had already purchased the slot. So we just stuck her in there. And oh my you gosh. Know, she's there forever. So if I want to go visit her, I can just go sit in this beautiful church and she's there. Isn't that That's awesome? That's really wonderful, Marjorie. I, I love that. I was very excited. That made, like in that moment when we were down, because only the four of us could go down with the priest and with Ian, because they do a final blessing. Mm-hmm. And like in that moment, I felt so good for her. Yeah. I felt like you've landed. You're home. You're good. You're warm. It was wonderful. I wonder so, where the owl is. I know. I, I love know. that owl. I do too. I love I it. Too. Oh, Marjorie, this is good. I'm so glad to get to have this chat today. This is really lovely. I'm looking forward for what's to come. There you go. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. We like them. Share this podcast with your friends. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best to the Nest. We are the podcast that brings you home.